Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of the Slay Dragons podcast. And today, I will be talking to Big James. He is the front man of the band Endost. He's also fronted other bands in the past. And today, we talked a lot about being in a band and what it takes to be successful as an indie band. Um, but the things that he talks about are, I think, applicable to a lot of different areas of life, even outside of being in a band. It's really just about hustle and just figuring out what you need to do in order to be successful and going out and doing those things. Because that seems to be the recurring theme when it comes to being in an indie band. You got to figure out how to accomplish these goals and it's not always going to be easy. And in the face of all the obstacles in your way, you just have to find a way through and around them. So yeah, that's what I got out of this. I hope anybody listening gets something out of this too. It was a good conversation. He's very insightful, good dude. So please enjoy episode 11 featuring Big James. Hello. Hello. What's going on, man? <laughs> Not too much. Um, yeah, I appreciate you doing this. Man, thank you for asking me, man. I'm actually super stoked to chat with you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, um, I've been watching your videos for a long time. And, um, yeah, I know that you have lots of insight that would help out a bunch of people who are interested in um being in bands and just making music so yeah i'm looking forward to it thanks man me too i've been i was thinking about it earlier i was like man i think i've been following what you're doing since like 2012 man <laughs> so it's it's been a minute yeah all right so yeah let's just start at the beginning um when did you first realize that you wanted to be in a band um my older brother sean was playing in uh, in a band uh, in the early 2000s, and so I wanted to get involved too, and I wasn't, I but I had no musical ability, like at all whatsoever. I don't play any instruments, but I'm really drawn to heavy music, and I thought, well, I could probably yell into a microphone and see what happens, and then you quickly realize there's a lot more involved than that. But uh, man, I got sucked in. Uh, I guess in the early 2000s, like 2001, 2002, right. somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you said there's more to it than than just yelling. Like, um, how did you go about learning to to like scream and and do all all the things that you do vocally? Man, it just uh, try trial and error. To be honest with you, man. Like at the time, uh, to the best of my knowledge, nobody was teaching that kind of stuff. I mean, now there's tons of resources like Melissa Cross and things like that people can can turn to 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 sort of learn how to scream. But it was a lot of blowing my voice out and and then learning how to not do that, just sort of self-taught, man. Um, And then also getting the sound that's in my head out of my voice is something I mean, that's something I'm still working on. (laughs) You know what I mean? Getting my voice to do what what I want it to do is not 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 always an easy thing. Mm hmm. 
And um, did you have a lot of vocal injuries as you were trying to learn? Oh, yeah. I, th I feel like my voice is probably permanently damaged um, or permanently changed and altered in some way. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking about years of, of screaming. Um, and then, you know, in the studio and in the, in the rehearsal space, it's not so bad. But it's like once you get out on the road and start touring and then you pile bad habits on top of, uh, the abuse you're already giving your voice, like drinking too much alcohol and, mm -hmm. and, and just talking over loud music every night to, to people as well. Yeah, true. Um, kind of, you know, three nights into a tour, you could, you could lose your voice if you're not careful, you know? Yeah. Have you had like experiences like that where you're out on tour and then you start to feel that you're losing your voice? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it gets to the point where I've had tours where like, I've had to not play a couple of gigs cause mm. you know, we missed gigs cause I couldn't sing. Oh, wow. Um, cause I, cause I made, I made horrible mistakes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wasn't hydrating and I was dehydrating myself, drinking alcohol. And, um, I've never been a smoker. I've never even tried smoking, but it's, uh, it's just the, the shouting and acting a fool and, and drinking and, and, and then trying to play shows on top of that. Uh, your voice just suffers and then and then it gets to the point where you can't talk all day and that's hard because I love the sound of my own voice sometimes <laughs> and you know um, and then not being able to talk with fans or two at the shows and stuff like that beforehand you feel an obligation to make time for those people and then you know but but chatting with them when your voice is already blown out is only gonna make it worse and yeah. you kind of gotta hide a little bit in the van and then you know try to try to just use your voice for singing and but it takes weeks to once you've lost your voice, it'll take like a week or two to come back mm. fully, you know. Yeah. So I'd get home from a tour and just be hoarse as fucks, you know. <laughs> but I, I've learned those lessons, and now and now I I can avoid those problems, you know. Yeah, like how do you go about avoiding like running into a, a problem like this? Well, removing alcohol from my life <laughs> was a big one, um, and also and just hydrating, man. Like I'll drink when I'm on tour now. I'm drinking like uh, upwards of four, four liters of water a day. Mm -hmm. Um, just, just to keep, keep everything hydrated and not drying out. And I'm mindful of, of how I'm speaking at when I'm playing shows. Like I can't shout over bands all day anymore. I can't, I can't do it, which means I can't, I don't, I try not to work the merch table anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we, we try to bring somebody with us to do that kind of stuff when I tour now, because just chatting all night over loud music and shouting all night is, I mean, that's a huge problem, you know, so avoiding those things and, and yeah, and hydrating is the biggest one though, man, that's, and, and not drinking alcohol, which stops you from acting a fool to begin with. So no, no shouting and acting stupid all night. And you know, that, that definitely helps. So I haven't, I haven't had a problem with losing my voice in like quite, quite some time now. Cool. And, um, so do you remember, uh, what it was like writing your first songs? Yeah. Yeah, I do, man. <laughs> it, it was it was really exciting, man. As mm -hmm. I I had, man, I had never, I, you know, like I said, I had no musical ability. Like I didn't have the the means to, um, to to write my own music. But writing with with good friends and close friends, and then eventually with with my younger brother um, in Endos, you know, and and the the results that were coming out of it were like, oh, this is like as good as the stuff I grew up listening to, I thought, mm -hmm. you know, and it was super exciting when something catches and, you know, it, it elicits an emotional reaction out of me. 
that that is the most exciting thing in the world for me. Like to be able to like, Oh, I can't wait to show this to people. You know, I hope this elicits the same reaction in other people that it's eliciting in me, you know, Mm -hmm. and that feeling hasn't gone away, which is why I'm still doing this like this many years later. Right. Nice. And, um, like how long after you started, um, like actually what was your first band? Uh, my first band was a band called Inve, which people can look up. It's I N V E I G H. I mean, that was like, yeah, my first real band, the first band I did a tour with and, uh, we toured in 2004 across Canada. That was my first taste of like, um, playing to people who don't know me mm-hmm. and, and developing, uh, an audience. And, and it's like shooting adrenaline, like directly into your heart. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no other feeling like that in the world. And that was, you know, it becomes almost an addiction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, um, and then, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. You go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that, you know, that led to, unfortunately that band, it's, it's not, it's not easy to tour as an independent musician. That mm-hmm. band, you know, after one tour, we decided to call it quits and I joined my little brother's band and Ost. And that band is the band that was the main focus, like my entire adult life until about five years ago. And now, uh, very recently we decided to start it up again. So, nice. and, um, how long after you started that first band, did you play your first shows? Um, that's a good question, man. I don't, I don't fully remember, but mm-hmm. less, less than a year, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and we realized pretty quick that no one was gonna, no one was gonna book us. <laughs> so we had to, we put we started just putting on our own shows. You know, I reached out to local venues and, and I was like, look, I'd like to organize a show. And, uh, you know, we made our own posters, went down to Staples or in Quebec, they call it Bureau en Gros and like printed all of our own posters that we designed ourselves and just hit the streets and put them up and put on our own shows. Cause that was, you know, nobody else was going to do it for us. So we had to do it ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess with, you know, within the first year we started playing shows and putting on our own shows. That's awesome. And yeah. Yeah. And how long before you went on tour this been? Um, it was a couple of years before I, I did like a proper tour. We had done a few like out of town shows mm-hmm. and we were meeting other bands and stuff. And then the idea occurred to us that we had met some bands that had toured uh, independently. We didn't even know that was a thing, you know? And then we met some guys who were like, yeah, like we can, you can, you can just go out there and do it. You can get on the internet and book and book shows and call venues and meet bands and, and they'll help you get shows. And, um, so it was like, a, it was a few years before we started to really, organize a proper tour mm-hmm. uh but we, we had been experimenting dipping our toe just going driving out from quebec into ontario and, and playing weekend shows and stuff like that here and there and that led to the the, the idea that we could we could get out there um for like a month at a time yeah. you know and spread the word about what we're doing uh, do you remember those those first tours oh yeah man i mean like i said it was game changing you know it was like mm-hmm. for me I didn't even know how much I liked attention until <laughs> <laughs> until I started going out and getting attention. You know what I mean? It was it changed me as a person, man. I was really I lacked confidence and I lacked um, self respect and and you know any kind of self sense of self worth and 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 doing this gave that to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, incrementally, like a little bit at a time, 
and you realize, oh, these people actually want to hear what I have to say when I grab a microphone, and then they like what I'm doing musically, and then they want to hang out with me, and they, you know, it's, man, it was, uh, it was instrumental in making me the person I am today, you know, which I, you know, I don't, I don't quite have the same ego as I had back then. It was like, go, it was basically like being like the kid that's bullied in school and then pretty quickly becoming like the, the man of the hour. Every time I play a show, I'm like the front man of this band and people want to chat and girls want to meet you. And it's, it it changed my life, man. It it built, gave me the confidence that I, that I have today that I can now use that confidence to achieve new things, you know? Yeah. So like, was there any moment at the beginning where there was stage fright or you weren't sure about going on stage? Not, not really, man. To be honest with you, I thought, I thought once we started playing with bands that were bigger than us too, that like, that I would start to feel some of that. And, you know, we played some big festivals Mm -hmm. and played with big, big, big acts. And, um, you know, I always kind of had this, this idea that like, look, if, if the promoter like booked us on this festival, then we deserve to be here. And I, I have no reason to feel nervous about being here. Like I, at least musically, I can play at the same level as these, as these big acts. Mm -hmm. Like I, my band is like technically proficient enough to do that. And there's enough people that think that we're capable, um, at enough to, to, to deserve to be on that, that big stage. So, you know, I've played, you know, festivals to like 15, 20,000 people. And, you know, I thought I was going to feel nervous, but I just, you know, when you think it through, it's like, no, I'm not nervous. I deserve to be here and I earned this. So I feel good about it, you know, but that again, that that's that confidence that, that was built up incrementally over those first few tours that, Mm -hmm. you know, they gave me that feeling, you know? Um, were there any front men that you were looking up to when you started out? (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, there's some, and, and it's, you know, there, there's definitely like the, you see a guy like Phil Anselmo from Pantera and he's like, he's just got a command over the audience that like, you know, it's, it's something that I was like, Oh, I wonder if I could do that. You know, like he, he can have that audience eating out of the palm of his hand. Like he's just, it's a skill that he has. He's more than just a singer. He's a front man. He's an entertainer. And then realizing that like all, a lot of my favorite vocalists were also very much so like entertainers, you know, and, and they weren't just a musician. They were also an entertainer and they could get on stage and interact with an audience. And, you know, um, as far as like, you know, um, as metal goes, you know, guys like Rob Flynn from machine head and, um, yeah, like, uh, Steve Esquivel from the band skin lab, like a lot of these kind of Bay area guys like Chuck Billy from Testament. These are, these are singers that like, we're putting on a show, you know, mm-hmm. and they kind of pulled you into like, this is, we're doing this together, you know? And when you go see them live and you're like, Jesus, this is like, this is something else. Like they're taking it to a different level. It's not, they're not just getting up there and singing. They're putting on a show, you know? And I love that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but as far as like musically, like I've always liked vocalists that, you know, when they, when they're recording their album and the delivery that they put on the album it sounded sounds to me like the music was written around their vocals mm-hmm. when you you know, that's not necessarily the case, right? Like maybe the vocals are the last thing to get recorded um, or, or even written for the song, but it's, 
they wrote their 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 and performed their lyrics to sound like the entire song was written around what they're doing. And I love that. Like Lane Staley from Alice in Chains is like I I always thought his voice sounded like that. It sounds like the the tunes were all written around him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I and I love that. And I've always kind of strived for that with what I'm doing too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um when it comes to the entertainment part of being on stage, is that something that you were I guess aware of before you started performing or is that something you became more aware of as you were on stage more? Definitely aware of it before I was performing. Cause you know, going to shows and stuff and you see, and you see bands play and you're like, Oh, this is like, there's, there's more to this than just like all the bands that I liked the most were the ones that were energetic and interactive on stage, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, I saw a lot of bands that were just, you know, the guys who just, in death metal bands who stand there and just yeah. with their rock stance and just play the song and there's no real interaction. Like it gets boring to me after like 20 minutes into their set. I'm like, well, what's, when's the next band going on? You know? Mm. So I was aware of it going into it, but doing it without looking super cringy and pulling it off successfully, it took me, I mean, years yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> to, to get right without sounding like a, you know, like a douchebag on stage, oh. you know? There's nothing worse than the singer that's asking for a circle pit and not getting it. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's rough, man. It's rough out there. Yeah. Like, have you had those those rough moments on stage? Like, when you and the band are into it, but, like, the crowd's just giving you nothing back? Yeah, man. Um, I, we've been booed. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was a rough one, man. Um, and I watched a room full of people walk out. Like we were, we played. Like this is a memorable night for me in 2006 in San Jose, California. And it was, um, we, you know, the band I was in at the time was a metalcore band, and mm-hmm. we were playing a show with with people more on the hardcore end of the spectrum of music. And the audience uh, were not there to see us; they were there to see the other bands. And we had kind of jumped on this this gig at, as second gig and it was it was a packed room it was a giant all ages show um in in kind of the myspace era of 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 music which is there's a lot of young people going to shows at the time and mm-hmm. um we we started playing our doing our thing and there was like 600 people in the room and by the time we were done there was like 100 people in the room oh, wow. so yeah and it man it was hard man because we were playing like the more as I'm watching people walk out, I'm like, well, now I've got to play harder. You know, I've got to like, like I, I'm not what we're doing is not enough, you know. And, and so you're just like giving it everything you have and watching people still walk out. And it's that's a rough one, man. But you have to go through those mm-hmm. moments so that you can play shows to like and I can play to an empty room and put on the same show that I, I, I put on to a room or to a, a festival audience, 15,000 people. To me, it's it's got to it's got to be the same delivery every time, mm-hmm. with the same amount of passion. You know, whether they like it or not, that's what they're getting. Yeah. And like, do you have to do anything mentally to like recover from a show like that? Because I know there's there's a lot of people who are that's the nightmare, really. Like being on stage and having people not like you. So like, what do you do mentally in that moment and after? Well. It, man, in those, like I said, in those moments, it's like for my reaction is always to just go harder, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like I just want to be as aggressive as possible with my delivery, and and 
it's yeah, it's not always easy to do that. And when when you do have a bad night, man, it's uh, at this point because I've played so many, I've played so many gigs now at this point in my life that I can kind of shrug it off. And it's super rare that it happens now. I feel like at this point in my career, if you put me in front of some people, I know how to, I know how to get them on my side. Mm-hmm. Um, but and honestly, it all comes down to like to get that audience on your side, the audience that doesn't like you on your side. You just have to play as passionately as possible because they can smell a fake, you know. Yeah. If you, if you're kind of not really into what you're doing, like the audience is going to tell right away. You know, I can tell when I'm watching a band if they're not feeling uh, what the, what they're doing, and so people can tell when I'm not feeling it too, and so I have to deliver as hard as possible. And and now I can shrug it off if if I have a gig that doesn't go well, it's like, well, there, there's another gig, mm-hmm. you know. It'll, it'll, there'll be a way to redeem myself down the line for this, you know? And, and, and knowing too, like, listen, your music's not going to be for everybody. It's never going to be for everybody. Not everybody's going to like what you do. That's, you know, there's lots of bands out there that are really, really popular that I can't stand, you know, that other people love. And I'm sure there's people who can't stand my music just as there's people who love what I'm doing too. Like, I'm not immune to that, you know? So you just have to go into it knowing that like, look, there's going to be people who don't like what you do. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally you're going to perform in front of them, you know, <laughs> like hopefully less often, but it does happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, so when it comes to like booking a tour, um, mm-hmm. what was that process? Like, especially the first time, like what, like what were you doing to, to get these shows? So that's a really good question. Um, and, and I've done my best to address that on the internet for some people on YouTube too, but like I'll, I'll, I'll address it here as well. Like it's just, um, it's a matter of reaching out to people. I mean, we're blessed to live in a time when, you know, with, of the internet where you can reach out to, to people and, but you have to do the legwork, man. Is I've had a million people hit me up like, do you have a contact for this city? And I do my best to help those people. Like here's the promoter that's putting on shows in that city. But you really need to know if you want to tour as an independent act in Canada, you need to know who, what are the artists in the cities you want to hit that are already successful in their own city? Will they play with you? Who are the promoters that are reliable and an actual legitimate promoters? Um, and in the a hardcore and metal and punk scene, you're dealing with like, there's a lot of flaky people, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to, you have to basically be well-versed in the individual scene of every city that you want to hit. So like what bands are doing well, what promoters are legitimate and actually pay their artists, what venues are the good shows happening at, like what venues do people avoid in those cities? You have to just do the homework and you have to know what's going on in that scene. And the scenes fluctuate too. Like sometimes there'll be a guy who's putting on shows in a, in a town like, like Sudbury, Ontario. And, and then he's like, I, you know, he's tired of losing money. So he just stops. And he gives up and now you can't work with that guy anymore. And now maybe you can't play that city anymore because there's nobody to fill that void, you know? So it changes from year to year too. like the, you know, the dynamic of a scene changes and, and the people who are putting in the legwork to, you know, cause let's face it, there's not a lot of money involved in the punk hardcore and metal scene in, in North America, um, uh, at an independent level. So there's people who are doing this for the passion of it who are going to stop doing it at some point or they're going to pass the torch on to someone else. And you have to constantly be on top of, um, the, the scene in each of those towns. And then you reach out to the people that you want to work with 
and you try to develop relationships with those people. And, and then when it comes time to book your tour, you have to kind of come up with a routing, like based on what your starting point is. And in Canada, this is extremely difficult because it's a giant country mm-hmm. and you have to, you have to factor in how much money could you possibly make and how far will you have to drive to get to that money? And are you going to turn a profit? Probably not for the first couple of years and first few tours. And then you could, if you're smart about it, you, you know, you keep building up these relationships and you keep uh, developing new fans in these towns as you go. And it's a grind, man. It really is a grind. It's not easy. You know, it's, it's a, to be an independent musician with any measure of success, especially in Canada, to tour in Canada is, is very difficult, man. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people out there who will tell you, I'll book you a tour and they do not know what they're doing. And they, they, they'll book you a tour that they, they've never been on a tour themselves. A lot of these people are not musicians, but they want to be involved in the music industry and they want to help out. But then you end up like being, you're going out on the road, hoping that this guy's done all the work that you were supposed to do. And you end up losing a ton of money and you get jaded and those bands, they, they fall apart. And maybe, maybe now we're missing out. How much good music are we not hearing because bands made horrible mistakes at the beginning of their career, you know, hoping other people could book them a good tour and they, and it just doesn't work out, you know? So the, you know, I've tried booking tours for other bands and the reality is that like people like to work with me because they like my band and I've developed a relationship with those people. And if I try to use that relationship to book someone else a gig does not mean that gig is going to go as well for that band as it went for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So you really need to do the legwork yourself and, and there's no shortcuts. You got to know the scenes in each city. You got to know the players and, and you got to develop relationships with them and then maintain those relationships. Mm-hmm. Like I've got friends across this country that, uh, I've, you know, they're friends of mine because we met doing this stuff and I've got friends for life in those people um, because of all the years and, and, and all the gigs we've, you know, worked, worked together on, you know, we've, we've now got like a fulfilling relationship and friendship out of that, you know, but it took, it took years, you know, to develop that. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. And like over the years, have there been, um, scenes or cities in, in Canada that are particularly strong in terms of like their metal scene? Oh yeah, man. And sometimes it's like places you don't expect, Yeah. you know, um, for many years, like one of our, our favorite places to stop is Prince George, British Columbia, which is kind of North, Northern British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, it's out of the way yeah. to get there. And, but the first time I ever rolled up there was with that band Inve. Like we didn't know what to expect and we rolled up and there was, Oh, there's a lot of people here. And it was just because they had nothing really going on in their town. Yeah. And so going to metal shows was like what you did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you show up and you meet with these people and you interact with them. And then you come back. And I came back the second time I went there, it was with a different band. But people came from, they had seen me with my old band. And they're wearing the t-shirts and they're coming out. And there's like, they're coming out in the hundreds. And it was like, wow, there's like, this is such a small city. And there's so many people in the metal here, you know. Or, you know, even... Um, to go the other direction in Canada, like like um, around Picto, Nova Scotia, which is a really small town, and the, the all ages scene there. We man, we've played some rowdy shows there. The kids there are like 
they're just they're hungry for heavy music and they're hungry for live music you know and so you can get out there and play these shows like there's pockets of that all over the country you know people who just really love thunder bay ontario they love metal there you know i've had some great great shows in thunder bay you know so you got to go. To, you got to dig for it, man. You got to. And again, the only reason I knew about those places and played those towns is because I had done the homework online, mm-hmm. right? So you can get like you know we're gonna go play uh, you know forty shows in Canada and nobody's doing like any. You look at any big act, they're not hitting the small markets like that, where there's these secret like pockets of 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 metal and hardcore that like mm-hmm. these kids are hungry for music and they want to hit it. And, and you do, but you have to go to them, you know? Yeah. And so you look for those small towns in those pockets uh, and, and you'll find some, some, some really cool scenes, man, kind of hidden away all, all over North America. And, um, yeah, when it comes to touring, um, there's also the aspect of like being in a van with, with four or five guys. And, um, yeah. Did you ever have any, any trouble with that? For sure, man. Um, and, my my little brother and I, I mean, he he started the band Endost, and uh, I joined after the fact. Like I was the second singer of that band, and um, only because my first band had fallen apart, and it was supposed to be to fill in, and and it ended up being my full time thing for many years. And and my brother and I, we man, we love one another to death, and we're super tight, but we still argue like brothers, mm-hmm. you know, over nonsense, and it's you know. You, if you spend that much time in a van with anybody, you're going to argue eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like we had some blowout arguments over the years, you know, and sometimes in embarrassing situations in front of fans and, or outside of a radio station, you know, <laughs> like you have these, these horrible embarrassing moments. But at the end of the day, we always found our way like back to one another. You know, we love each other. We're brothers. Yeah. You know, you spend that many years in a van together. Um, and, like even the other guys like uh, Pepe and, and Miller, the bass player and guitar player of Endos, like these guys are, they're like brothers to me, man. Cause we've spent so many hours together and been through so many ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And definitely there's been arguments along the way, but like, I think to tour like that, man, you have to be tight. Yeah. You have to be like family. Cause if you're not, it's going to be miserable. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be super miserable. Like you can recover pretty quick from an argument if you're, if you're tight with someone. But if you're not and you don't put in the, the work to like maintain a relationship and just be considerate to one another in a van, like you don't want to – I'm not leaving my sweaty after show shirt on the bench in the van. You know what I mean? Because it stinks and it's gross and somebody has to sit there later. You know what I mean? Like you, it forces you to be a considerate person, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, we'll finish up here. And um, I just add uh, one more question. Um if you were talking to yourself starting out, like if you could go back in time and give yourself advice, um, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, that's a real good question, man. Um, I think that the best piece of advice I can give, I would be able to give myself is to, to only ever play music that I, and, and write music that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, man, you can't write, you can't write music for anybody else. Yeah. You got, you got to write it for you. You got to like doing it for you. You know, like my, the, the best record I ever fucking put out. Nobody, nobody's listened to, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I, and I love that record and I will always love that record. And it's, you know, may, maybe it'll, 
develop an audience over time. Who knows? But like, I don't care because I did that record for me and it sounds really good. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, the creating and the, uh, uh, the creating of the record was fulfilling enough to me because I'm passionate about what we put to tape, you know? Sure. So you have, man, you have to keep the passion because if you don't, if you're not passionate about what you're doing and you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, or if you're doing it because you think it's what other people are going to like, it's not going to translate, mm-hmm. you know? You could be playing, and, and that re- that can relate to literally any kind of music you're playing. You know, if you do it, you have to do it with passion. Otherwise, there's no fucking point, and nobody's gonna like it. Especially, and if you don't like it yourself, then what's the point at all, right? So, do it with passion. hundred oh, percent. Yeah, and um, yeah, I love that, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Um. Yeah, I appreciate you talking to me today and just like sharing all this knowledge. I'm sure it'll help a bunch of people. Lavar, thank you, man. I'm a huge admirer of yours and and I I was super stoked that you asked me to do this today. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to just, you know, open my mouth and share, share some of what I know, you know? Yes, I'm